Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we are working really hard to figure out how to produce a three-person Las Vegas food podcast <laughs> from three people who spent most of the last seven days outside of Las Vegas. <laughs> Should be a bit of a challenge, but that's okay. We're good. We're up for it. Yeah. I'm your host, Al Mancini, (laughs) sitting comfortably in my Las Vegas home today after a whirlwind trip of the East Coast for family business, um, one which I'm hoping will result in some travel vouchers after Spirit Airlines meltdown. Um, But honestly, it's Spirit, so I'm kind of guessing that Pete Buttigieg is just going to tell me to fuck off. I should have known better. (laughs) (laughs) Which would really be an acceptable response. That's how I feel. I should know better. Uh, engineering for us from our Pacific Northwest office, a man who knows more about Oregon wines than anyone I know, although I rarely quiz my friends on that topic, so maybe not. <laughs> anyway, the one and only Rich Johnson. Rich, how the hell are you? My ass is almost done being concrete from the uh, the drive from Vegas to Portland. Oh, God, Ooh. that's right. Yeah. I can't even imagine. This was that. not that was a fun. leisurely tour. This was a blasted up I-5 deal and sleep when I was dead and then get up and do it again. Oh, God. But on the bright side, you didn't take spirit. So. Yeah. Here's the thing about that. I've taken spirit a few times. Never, ever, and almost the same with Southwest, don't connect. If you can't get a, a transcon nonstop, don't do it. I would take spirit from Baltimore to Vegas quite often. Here's the thing. I, I've taken spirit a few times. I am one of the very, very, very few lucky ones. I've always had a good experience on spirit. I just don't if I don't have to because there yeah. are better ones out there. Plain I mean, you know, my, my basic rule is that, you know, if I can pay for the most expansive leg room on spirit and all the baggage that I need, and it still adds up to less than half of what the other airlines cost for the similar number of connections, I can't justify, you know, yeah. not not rolling the fucking dice. And that's what happens a lot of times. And in this case, whether it was one leg, two leg, three legs, four, it wasn't going to matter because this was a a system-wide meltdown that had 90% of their flights delayed. And, you know, the last time around it happened to you on Southwest. It did. I was just going to say, it sounds sounds like my holiday travel in Southwest. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, I got where I was eventually going. So, um, you know, it it worked out. But I'm told there's a lot more good goodies being refunded. So I've been I've been yeah, holding maybe. off on booking the trip to to Cabo because of the fact that um the, you know the airfares are so high and the the resorts I love are great yeah. price but the airfares too high so I'm hoping maybe they give me some kind of fucking voucher that I yeah. can use for a better um summer vacation yeah. somewhere well, well two weeks from today I'm I will be going from uh, Boston from Cape Cod to New York to Paris Ooh. but the, but I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the suicide version on the ground because I'm landing at the JFK. And then I've got three hours to get to Newark. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah, And again, this, this, this yeah. was, again, a, a bargain thing. I got a $2,000 round trip business class on a oh. brand new airline called French B that flies once a day Newark to Orly, not okay. even to Gaul. So I thought I'd give it a shot. It's an hour and a half, it says, on, on, a, on a lift. And I've got three hours budgeted. So we'll see. All right. Okay. Well, we'll um, be thinking about that. you. Anyway, now we've just become an airline travel. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Wrong, wrong podcast, podcast gang. Point. Yeah, right. <laughs> Loving travel tips. 
So as you could hear in the background, uh, Samantha Gemini Stevens is with us today. <laughs> she is coming in from Chicago, where yeah. she attended the 2023 James Beard Award ceremony last night as we record this podcast, you would call it last night. Yes. And believe it or not, she she's managed to remain scandal-free. <laughs> Our co-hostess <laughs> with yeah. the mostest, <laughs> offthestrip.com food writer, Samantha Gemini Stevens. Gemini, how are you? I'm well. I'm I'm surprisingly well. It's been uh, a lot. We arrived on Friday. Today is Tuesday. Yeah, today's Tuesday. Um, and there's basically been events and meetups and, hey, I know you're in Chicago kind of a thing um, the whole time. So last night was the big night. Um, there was a pre-party that started at three, the awards doors opened at five 30. It started at six at nine. We literally, after the last award, everybody hightailed it out to buses and to walk the neighborhood to get down to the after party. So it's, it's been a busy, busy few days. <laughs> so with all of us traveling, we're recording this earlier than normal in the week because it's just the only time that we could all get our schedules together that it would work. So, uh, the truth of the matter is we don't have a lot of, um, talking about where we've eaten that's Las Vegas centric in this week. So I really would like, you know, and we do have yeah. a good show planned for you, by the way. Um, the Absolutely. overwhelming majority of it is going to be coming from Gemini. She supplies our <laughs> big old centerpiece interview this week with an extended chat with the creators of a tinned, the tinned aficionado fish club. And as I mentioned, really? she, as we we're just talking, she's at the beards, beard awards, which are often referred to as the Oscars of the food world. So <laughs> yeah. she's going to let us know whether she, Gemini, were you Chris Rock or were you Will Smith? <laughs> if you were neither, who was whom? I, I was a seat filler in that one. I, I stayed out of that fight. <laughs> oh gosh. Does this mean I don't get to talk about the North Sacramento IHOP I went to on Saturday morning? Oh my God. Uh, we'll see how we're doing on time, but we will I'll Since take that as been a off no. On talking about talking about <laughs> fucking airplanes. Um, let's try to get to a little bit okay. of food. And so this was just such a big day. I mean, in food that people will eat who listen to this podcast. That's, Absolutely. It's not that I have anything wrong with against North Sacramento, but I don't know how many people no, are no. going to get there. Um, so, and if you're there listening, we're sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't. Mean I'll cut this part out. I'll f- fix it in post. Oh, it's all fix right. It in post. We love you, no, Sacramento. It's we're fun. scars and all on this show, baby. We don't mind. Um, but look. Look, this was a, a huge event, Gemini. I want to just throw our standard scripting to the wind. Fuck it. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's do it. Let's talk James Beard Awards. And I guess the first reason was if anybody out there is thinking that this is on the um, food and loathing budget and I, you know, we oh, sent you out no, there. No, no, no. Oh, au contraire, mon frere. <laughs> yeah. You were there on your own. So you were doing this as a, as a great service to us here at this podcast. Um, why were you there? What the fuck uh, were you doing there? I was there um, as a volunteer restaurant and chef judge this year. Woohoo. So a chef, yeah. restaurant chef judge, which, you know, there's always so much talk and people who always tell me that they're beer judges. I don't really know if they're full of shit or not because they're supposed to be secretive. And you and I have never really discussed that you were doing that this year until you started telling me you were going to the Beard Awards. Yep. You start putting two and two together in my head. And I guess I also have to ask, <laughs> you've been taking a lot of trips to rather obscure places to <laughs> eat food all I mean, you know, people have heard this podcast for the past six months. It's always 
he's like, oh, I'm down in Arizona or wherever. Yep. And now as I sort of try to piece this together, like maybe she was checking out nominees in the I, Best Chef Southwest division I, that she had to bit. vote on. So is that bit. what was going on there? Yeah. So so just to also clarify, this is also on my dime because it is a volunteer thing. Um, I am very, 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 very low level uh, judge committee. Um, and, um, so when committees higher than me make certain decisions, um, then they ask us to kind of dine around and give some scores and give some feedback. And, um, as much as I do travel to eat, um, quite often, uh, there was a lot more this year for that exact reason. I was, uh, I got to go to Flagstaff and found some really great places in Flagstaff that I really, really enjoyed. Um, did not see them there last night, which made me a little bit sad, um, but still a very worthy food city to go visit. It's only three, three and a half hours from Vegas, if that, maybe even less. Is that where um, the Phoenician Resort is? Is that in uh, that's in Sedona, I believe. No, it's not um, in Sedona. I think okay. It well, like it's Scottsdale. Scottsdale. I'm thinking- Scottsdale, oh, Scottsdale that's where it yeah. is. Okay, sorry. so not too far from each other. I mean, it's a drive, but it's not. It's still not that far. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I actually I went down to Phoenix because um, they needed some more there, um, and I just happened to on accident, um, and it really truly was an accident. I was going to Boston on purpose to visit my new godson, which I have mentioned, and I happened to be able to dine at Nightshade Noodle Bar which I didn't know that's where we were going. And I looked it up after my girlfriend sent me the text and said, oh, hey, I want to take you to this place and realized that they were up for Outstanding Chef nationally. Um, So that was really exciting. And I got to be a part of that conversation. So uh, before we get into what it was like this week, um, how much can you tell us about what this is? When you get asked to be a judge, do you nominate restaurants? Do you put them in the put their hats in the ring? I know that people could. We can also nominate it. You know, there's a website open that the public could nominate. Correct. But for, what's the judge's role? Are you are so, you vital in the original coming up with the original long um, list and then going down to judge for the short list and then again yes into and the winner? No. Yeah, yes, yes and no, as far as, you know, um, um, shortlist and longlist. So when the original public submissions are open, that's when everybody, including anybody that has been tapped as a volunteer, um, gets to put up um, some notes. And so the difference is, is if there's already a bunch of nominations for somebody in there, I can go in and add notes to it um, from from my portal. Uh, but everybody gets the same chances. Everybody from you, me, to Joe Blow down the street can um, put somebody up. And it's not about the number of submissions. It's not about the number of you know, people putting your name in there. It's about the quality of your submissions. Um, all of that information is taken by, again, committees way higher than me and way, way more up in, this, in the system um, that do things that I have no idea. Uh, and they decide, looking at all of the submissions, looking at the applications, because the restaurant can apply, the chef can apply, their PR companies can apply for them, the general public can submit them for um, consideration. Um, and so all of that information is taken and we kind of don't hear from anybody for weeks or a month and a half, two months, something like that. Um, and then when the semifinalists are listed, that's when we get, uh, asked to dine around 
And so we do that and we don't tell anybody who we are. We don't make reservations under James Beard. We don't say, hey, I'm a judge and I need to come in and check you out. Uh, the whole point is that it's basically blind dining or, or what do they call it? Um, secret shopping. Um, and you go in and you make notes on your experience. And, and we have a portal where we can add information about what that's like what getting in there was like, what the hospitality was like, and each category kind of looks at different things. And so we keep that in mind when we're, when we're putting in our scores and our notes. Um, and then again, it's, it's out of our hands. We don't really do that much about it. Again, all the people way above us, the committees are large. They've been doing this for many, many, many years. Um, and they have, uh, you know, their own criteria that they look at. They decide. Do you do all of your visits and your grading during the um, the time frame between when the when the semifinalists or the long list is released and when the finalists, the short list, are released, or Correct. do you go on after the short list is released? And um, after doing after the short list is released, so that that's what I would call um, the the finalists or the nominees. That's what they call them. Um, before that, you're you're submitted. You're you're being considered. Um, when the when the long list comes out, that's a semifinalist, and when the short list comes out, that's a nominee. Um, so, so, but you judge the people being considered. Did did you then go out more and specify on the nominees after the finalists were announced? Um, I did a couple of times just because I could. It was something where I was either traveling or I happened to be in the neighborhood. And they were still open else. to judging that was done in that period? Absolutely. The okay. feedback is still important. And so um, while the official lists are already managed by um, higher excuse me, higher committees, um, there are discussions that happen. Um, and so we can still go in and, and say, we've been here. This was our personal experience. Um, you know, take it, take it, take it for what you will. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then again, we, we put in our, our experiences, our scores, our discussions take place and it goes again to higher committees, um, that really have a lot of information on these restaurants, on these chefs, um, on, you know, how they operate. If there have been public comments made, um, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm right. selling anything out there that, that isn't. So, but uh, no, but I have there. questions that I want to ask where you may be selling things out. So let's just put you on the spot, see what you sure. can answer, what you can't, I get. Um, are you able to tell us, is there a list of criteria that you get and you have to check certain boxes? Is it just food, ambiance, flavor, technique, visuals, you know, all the shit we've all, anybody who has done what you and I have done for as long as we've done it, we've all judged some kind of food competition. Usually right. you're handed a ballot that has specific categories or specific things that you're supposed to check off, whether they have or not. Uh, I'll give you an example. If you're in Forbes, like you can't get a, a five diamond award unless you have a restroom in the restaurant, I believe. Right. Like, so you can't a casino restaurant restaurant where you have to go out into the casino. Oh, you right. Know, you, you may only get four. I know there was a time when Michelin. That. That's interesting. There was a time when Michelin's checklist, and I don't know if it has this anymore, would ask whether they get, they offered you a black black table napkin rather than a white Versus one if you were wearing black napkin. clothes, right? So, and, and I'm not asking you to necessarily, well, may I will ask you to reveal them. Are there <laughs> things like that that you are looking for? And if so, can you name a few? 
Uh, I, what I can say is just like any other competition, I think you've pretty much answered the question for me is, is every category and, and, um, every part of the system has their own criteria. Um, I also will say that, but it would be interesting if you could tell people what the criteria are. It would be interesting. And and, and Michelin did make it known when they had it. No, I mean, I'm not asking this to try to get you to, to, I I totally understand. And what I was just going to say is 99% of the information that people think, um, because I know there's been a lot of talk lately about what is transparent to James Beard and what is not. Um, it did come up a couple of times last night when people were speaking, um, it's available on the website. It talks about what they're looking for, not only the past couple of years um, by really trying to open up their diversity, um, um, equity and inclusivity markers, but also what they're looking for when they think of a James Beard restaurant. Um, And they all are surrounding the same sort of things you've already brought up. What is the hospitality like? What is the what is the ambiance? What is it like to walk in as a diner um, who nobody knows who you are. Um, what is it like to walk into a place for the first time? Are you greeted properly? Um, just a lot of the same things that you would find anywhere else. And again, 99.9% of this information is available on their website. I know that there's been some conversations lately that, that people think that something is being hidden and it's, it's really not. I mean, there, there of course are committee conversations that have to be held in those committees, um, but as far as criteria, what they're looking for, what they're trying to do and how they're how they're trying to put the foundation out there to be better for the food. But world. What about identities of the judges now? Because you are now publicly known as a James I am, Beard judge, right? My and name will I'm go assuming on a website. You're allowed, to, you're allowed to say that now. Yeah, I mean, my so, name will go on a website. So if you know who I am, it's not like it's going to be this big announcement. We're not getting, you know. Right. But trust me, these people do fucking research. I mean, for for 15 years, anytime I walked into a restaurant in Las Vegas, there was a, and I was not a James Beard nominee, not anywhere near what they needed. I was writing for Las Vegas city life, (laughs) you know, a tiny little rag, which I loved, but you know, it was great. And they had a picture, my picture, my favorite beverages. It's all on something that people put up on the wall. So you are going to be on a lot more fucking walls in restaurant (laughs) kitchens as of today. Now that people know that and if you got special drinks, you tell them what you like them make sure they have it in stock. I right. mean, it's, there, there's some perks to people wanting to kiss your ass. And unfortunately, <laughs> too many people ask for those perks, which is why we got a lot of problems with which certain influencers and problems. certain other people yeah. and all that kind of shit. But, yeah. um, but whether you try or not, they're going to be out there. So look, I want to cut to the chase of last night now that we've gone through some yeah, of that. Please. What was the vibe like? How was the The evening? vibe was really awesome. So I do have some quotes to share from some of our Vegas um, friends that were there that were up for, for um, uh, awards. Um, And I'll read through those quickly in just a moment. Uh, But the vibe was really, really chill. I mean, it was a night where, you know, the hard part was over. People had done their best. They had really worked their asses off. And it doesn't matter if you were part of the James Beard Foundation itself and its systems, or if you were a chef or you were just a supporter. Um, It was very relaxed. Everybody was um, really, really just sort of kind of finding their breath. Um, It was far less formal than I expected. Um, The invitation, of course, says black tie. And I'm not just talking about, um, you know, what clothing people were wearing, but even just their attitude towards it. You know, there was people were speaking a little bit more freely. People were hugging each other. People were so happy to see their friends and, and people that they've worked with in the past. 
um, the cheering and the crowds and, and everything. It was not this, this really quiet, okay, the award gets announced and everybody sort of does a golf clap and then you move on to the next one. Um, there Where was, was it held? Where was uh, the ceremony? It was held? at the Lyric Opera Theater, which is part of the Civic Opera Building in Chicago. Cool. Um, okay, so people are dressed a little fancy. They're having a good time. It's yeah. a good old party. Um, what, okay, do you, like what kind of champagne were they serving? I need to know. Ah, so. Because I got to think getting the champagne contract the champagne for the James Beard Award the is a fucking party, little bit of a, um, yeah. was Moet Chandon, and they even had this lady pouring the, you know, doing the whole tower. And I personally think that's a waste of decent champagne, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so they had the champagne less of a waste going. than Steve Aoki's going to do with it. Right. Right. Or the golden Knights will do in two games. Yes. The golden Knights. Come on Knights. Um, um, okay, so, so Moet and yeah. who, who provided the food? Oh my gosh, so many. Um, I, I I really wish I had written more of it down. I do have photos, um, but there was food from nominees or, or rather I think some semifinalists and even some nominees, but they just brought in some really great things. Um, Capital One, um, which this is not a sponsor or an advertisement, but they had a special room in the back um, where women could take off their high heels and get flip-flops and put their shoes in a little James Beard bag, which I thought was really thoughtful. Um, But there were tiny bites everywhere, everything from seafood to desserts to hot food to cold food and, and in between super creative cocktails uh, and a lot of collaborations. So who were the big winners? Who, who, the who big winners it? last night, the, the ones who really got my attention um, were truly the humanitarian and uh, the lifetime achievement people. Um, I know that uh, Outstanding Bar, came, which was one of our nominees, was Garagiste. Uh, that went to Bar Leather Apron out of Hawaii. Uh, haven't been to that one, but I'm going to have to now add it to the list. All right. Um, what about um? You know, look, we were all hoping that Anima would take home the best chef Southwest. We were, we were. It was between Anima and Kaiseki Yuzu as far as Vegas nominees went, and uh, that's right. There's no disrespect to Kaiseki Yuzu. They also I would have been thrilled not if they did. I just don't um, eat there once a week. Like chef I do and his Anima, wife so. were chef and his wife were were very very nice. They were very humble. Um, but that one went to Andrew Black at Gray Sweater in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, I admit that one was on my list when I first saw the uh, the short list, but it was out of my not out of my territory. But I was not. So you can't even so. cry foul. You don't even know whether. No, I don't know. I mean, it, it might be some of the best things. When I looked yeah. it up online, I thought it was interesting. It's tasting menu only. It's not the same menu every day. So um, there is some creativity and, and some stuff that I've read about that is to be lauded there, and that's fair. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, there was lots of cheering for, for all three of our Vegas nominees when their names came up. And unfortunately Vegas did not bring home one of the awards last night. So, Drag. so, um, let me ask you this. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding the beard awards this year, people mm-hmm. getting disqualified, others removing themselves from consideration. It talks about who the judges are, all kinds of shit. I don't want to, I'm not going to rake you over the coals about the each individual one, because to be honest, I haven't dug deeply into each incident. I just know there's a lot of buzz. There's just a lot of, I don't know. I, I don't want to say bad vibes, but there's been a lot of negativity. So I'm curious whether that was either in the background there, whether you thought it played on the experience that evening, 
of the fact that they've just been catching a lot of shit in the press recently. They've been catching a lot of shit. And I think they've been catching a lot of shit um, because people just don't understand what has, what, what the, the choices have been over the past few years. And this is not me defending anybody or anything in particular, other than I know I've seen comments that say, Oh, well, you know, they haven't been advertising this kind of thing, but they have, they have for about a year and a half to eat two, almost three years now. Um, and what it's, it's, it's a lot of the same things we hear when you hear women talking about needing more representation in the kitchen or people of color needing more representation in the kitchen. All of those things are true. And so what Beard recognized a few years ago, and again, this is all information from their website. I'm I'm basically reading from it is that their nominees and some of the people that were involved were a lot of white people and a lot of white men and a lot of yeah, white well, there was, It was all straight white men, and so they made a conscious effort to become more inclusive and more diverse. And yep. I don't know any – look, I know some people will mumble under their breath, well, I don't have a chance. I'm a straight white guy. I'll never get fucking – you know, fuck that. I, I don't have time That's for this. That's not things. it at all. It's but, just but, – there needed There's, to be more. And, and right, I want to add. I'm talking the, about other things like behavior of chefs in the kitchen have been uh, very important to them. People have been disqualified is, on this that. This is why there are counts. committees way higher than those of us that just volunteer on the ground. Um, but also, I mean, it's, it's behaviors in those kitchens and in those restaurants. It's what types of kitchens and restaurants they have. It used to be, you know, almost like Michelin. You had to be this brick and mortar and you had to be open, you know, five or six or seven days a week. And you had to offer, you know, X number of hours and your food had to be, you know, of this certain sort of bougie quality. And that's not it anymore. It could be street food. It can be a food truck. Um, You know, uh, the bakery that won last night is a tortilleria in Kansas City. Um, yeah, and, and, and we have like um, who's that right down here in Vegas and Spring Mountain Road, the tiny little, you know, it's like a, it, oh god, Shanksy Dan, you you know what I'm talking about, the the tiny little noodle. Place oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's like in a supermarket, it's tiny little noodle, <laughs> noodle stand, and you know, so I, that that's cool. And that and, and part, that's, that's part of what they they're opening that. up to. And but, so, but I guess my biggest question though was less about what the, what people are bitching about and yeah. whether that cast a shadow over the mood or whether it was. Even even a topic of discussion. It was a topic of discussion. Um, I, I don't think that it overshadowed the mood too much. I think there was um, there were a couple of times where some comments were made, and I think they were absolutely appropriate. Um, and this is all live streamed, so you guys can watch all of it on their YouTube channel. Um, but there there needed to be some recognition of some stuff that had been happening, and so whether or not it was. Um, you know, something about a woman of color. I know the first, very first Puerto Rican woman won an award last night, or, or at least a, the first Puerto Rican woman to win a JBF uh, won last night. Um, like I said, the bakery that won was a tortilleria, and she was completely shocked and such a beautiful human being um, doing her acceptance speech. Um, and there were some comments to to make sure that we all knew that we were standing on native lands. Um, and there was a uh, quite a, a few people there who had such a uh, background in their native culture and, and such ancestry, and they were not otherwise, you know, being noted. And so it was used more as a reminder than it was something to bludgeon you over the head. Um, and while I think plenty of people probably need a little bit of smack up upside the head about some of this, yeah, stuff, we could use some bludgeoning in this country. I but, think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, you know, to realize that humans are humans, right? And uh, and it really should be that easy. But this is an industry where that's not been that easy, and it has a a 
millennia um, history of that. And it, it kind of goes in circles. And, uh, you know, first it's, oh, women belong in the kitchen. And then it's, oh, women can't be chefs and can't be this. And, and, you know, originally, you know, servants were people of color and, and, you know, indigenous peoples. And now it's like, oh, well, you know, we can't recognize them. So that's where a lot of these arguments and a lot of these problems are coming from. And they, they have been very open, I think, in how they're trying to address it. And I think last night people handled it beautifully. There was a couple of comments that were made. And again, it was, the whole point was to make you think, not necessarily make you feel that you needed to go home and, you know, change your, your entire um, ethos about how you handle other human beings, but to at least make you think and understand what is going on out there and how that does affect not just the food and things that everybody enjoys every day, but how these people get recognized. Yeah. And these are a lot of, I mean, and honestly, if somebody from the beard awards wants to come on here, I would love to have just a big, you know, panel discussion for an hour and get some people who are pissed and get all that. But, you know, that's I, for this for today. What I really was curious about was what the vibe was like, whether there the was a dark cloud hanging over it. You no, know, all I don't that think kind of so. Stuff. Everybody was was really open and cheery and wanted to chat and say hi to people and meet new people. And everybody was so supportive of everybody else. It didn't matter if it was your category or another category. Um, it was probably one of the most supportive places. Um, and especially when it comes to giving out awards that I've ever had the privilege of being a part of. Awesome. So we, yeah, we got to, got to move on, but thank you so much. And <laughs> I really, really, really Thanks appreciate you sharing all of that yeah. um, with us. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we got, we do have to finish up the top of the show before we get to your next big, huge, great interview. <laughs> um, we do where we've eaten in Las Vegas. I haven't eaten here a lot in the past week. A couple things I do want to mention just to keep with it. Last Wednesday, I attended a preview of the sundry food hall and the uncommons development on the Southeast corner of Durango in the two fifteen. The party was a blast. I had a chance to sample a lot of great food. I love the setup there. It reminds me, you know, we have a lot of great food halls here in Las Vegas, uh, three on the strip that I'm covering in an article that I'm writing right now for the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. I'm writing that article because I love the ones we have on the strip, but they all feel like you're in a casino, right? Because right. you are in a casino. And what I love about Uncommons is it reminds me of food halls I've been in in other cities. Rich, you remember we were up in um, Napa and we oh, went yeah. to that little place next to where we were staying where we were recording and they had that great food hall there. I think Rick Moonen may have taken you and I over there for yeah, some yeah. chowder. Um, and I've been to one in Anaheim that looks like it's on an old railroad car. Mm -hmm. And there are all these big, wide, fun, exciting things that are just a little more organic than what you'll find in a Las Vegas strip casino. Well, this Uncommons, the sundry reminds me of that. And it's opening up this coming Wednesday. So I hope everybody gets over there to check it out on their own. Um, but I and I'm going to be living over there because it's so fucking close to my house. <laughs> yeah. And once it's open, we'll have more on it. But I did talk to two chefs. Uh, while I was there. So first up, I had a little chat with Oakland's Matt Horn. He is best known for his award-winning barbecue. I believe a James Beard award winner. I may be wrong on that. Um, <laughs> Horn barbecue. But since we already have Bruce Coleman bringing Soul Belly barbecue to this sundry, Matt was asked to recreate his fried chicken concept known as Cowbird. And he spoke to me about the fo how the folks at um, Table One Hospitality talked him into bringing it to Vegas. The whole idea to come out to do Vegas was a really great idea. Everything usually happens on the Strip, but to be able to be a part of the project off the Strip, I feel like that's special. But then when you come here and you actually see the project, 
it's absolutely beautiful, you know. So I'm grateful to be a part of it, and I did. I didn't think twice about being coming and being part of Vegas. How did it actually happen? Who approached you? Well, well Pat with Pat with Table One Hospitality. I mean, he was telling me about the project, um, and I just said, "Hey, what do I need to do to be a part of it?" They were going to ask, but I'm just like, "I want to be a part of this project. How can I do it?" And I felt that you know, with it being a food hall concept, that it would make sense for it to be Calvert. Right. Um, naturally, I had a lot of people asking, like, wait, is it going to be Horn Barbecue? But, you know, it was Cowbird, and I'm excited to be able to bring the concept here. So for people who haven't had Cowbird, tell them what to expect. I mean, Cowbird, what you, what you can expect with Cowbird, we're giving you more than just chicken. We're giving you chicken made with souls with a lot of flavor, a lot of intention. Um, we have uh, various sandwiches that we do. We do bun-in chicken, chicken and waffles. But the sandwiches are the highlights with Cowbird. We wanted to highlight really cool sandwiches and give you give it to you literally at its like fullest so once this is a huge hit you consider doing other vegas projects <laughs> you know what hopefully it's a hit i mean this is like i said this is beautiful um i would love to do more projects in vegas i love vegas i haven't been back out here in a while but it's like i want to be able to do really cool stuff out here be a part of the culinary landscape I also spoke to Jerry, oh man, I always mispronounce his name, even though I've known him for years, Gomorrowian. Yeah, okay, Jerry G. Jerry from Meraki, as I like to call him. We all know him from the local chain Meraki, as well as his Michael so Mina good. collaboration, Estiatorio Ornos, um, which has outposts in Florida and San Francisco. He has a new concept called Cavos Coastal Greek Grill that he's bringing to the sundry, and he told me a bit about that. Yeah, so Cabos, we're focused on the coast of Greece this time. We'll be utilizing, you know, sourcing out fish responsibly from all over the world. And um, it's very focused, very clean, simply grilled, finished with a little olive oil, lemon juice. So, you know, most of our fish that come in will know how to speak Greek. For the ones that don't come from Greece, we'll teach them how to speak Greek. So we'll give them the Greek treatment. So we're excited about it. And again, we're just so happy to be you know, doing something that's in Vegas, in our neighborhood, and uh, collaborating with these incredible chefs. So, uh, you know, it doesn't get better. I'm also hoping that he may have some other news to announce soon, but he wasn't wasn't sharing nothing with me on the record about the other (laughs) rumors I've been hearing. So, um, yeah, keep your ears open for him and some of the things I've been hinting at recently that I just can't get a fucking confirmation on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, After that, I spent a day of travel hell getting to Philly. Didn't have a lot of choice on where I was going to eat when I got there. I'd offered to bring mom and dad to Vetri, but they weren't up for a big fancy pants tasting menu the night before another big party. I was there for a 90th anniversary party for my that. aunt so so we skipped that but big thanks to mark vetri for trying to get us in on short notice and my apologies that it didn't work out i'm still dying to bring my family in there so we'll work harder next time uh the only meal i ate at a restaurant that worth mentioning actually the only one i ate at a restaurant while i was there came saturday after my man's party uh sue and i went to a chickies and Pete's to watch game one of the knights panthers series I dug a little yes. deeper into the menu than I normally do in Las Vegas because here in Vegas, their cheesesteaks are the best you're going to find or among the best you're going to find. By by Philly standards and South Jersey standards, their cheesesteaks are mediocre at best. So I did a um, Tuscan chicken sandwich and something. I ordered what they called the Sicilian mussels, and this is why I'm bringing this up. That's what I ordered, but um, mussels to me are very typical Philly bar food. There's like sitting in an underground, you know, t- subterranean bar in Philly <laughs> where it's dark and drinking craft beers or if not real craft beers, drinking yingling or something like that that's Philly-centric and sopping up the mussels with bread. Like to me, mm. that's a very Philadelphia thing. I think that's what our founding fathers did when they were writing the Declaration of Independence uh, yeah. um, or, or the Constitution <laughs> or whatever. I think Channeling I think their Belgian roots, fueled. yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Um, so I tried to order these mussels, but what I actually got was their seafood saute, which was mussels, clam, shrimp, and lobster in that same Sicilian preparation that I was ordering, which was tomatoes, olives, cherry peppers, okay. red onions, celery, garlic, fresh herbs. Uh, and I am not good. Look, I don't even know whether they charged me for the mussels that I ordered, which were 29 bucks, or for the dish they actually brought, which was 48 bucks. Either way, I didn't give a shit because it was amazing. So filling, I really didn't need my sandwich. And of course, I'm bringing this all up because there's a chicken. And Pete's in the Sahara yes. in Las Vegas. Yeah. And now I want to go back and have this dish here. And yeah. that is. <laughs> <laughs> that's it about that's about it for I have for uh, my my adventures in restaurants this week. Rich, what about you? Anything Vegas related yeah. that you've eaten since on last week? Literally on my way out of town, I, I stopped for gas way down by South Point and, and across Las Vegas Boulevard from mm. South Point Casino is a place called uh, Top Sushi. All you can eat sushi. I wanted something light. I didn't want all you can eat. I ordered a la carte, and it was about a push, and it was really nice. A small amount of rice, really good uh, tuna and uh, salmon nigiri, and a, and a serviceable California roll, and it, and it really hit the spot in a very nice, big, go. clean uh, room. <laughs> Coming up in the news, a Hawaiian street food pop-up, but first, what the hell are tinned fish? <laughs> this is Food and Loving. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast, restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Want more? Ah, uh, we got more. Find me every Thursday morning around 810 on The Club, AM 670 KMZQ. On TV, you can find me Mondays around 830 AM on Wake Up With The CW. And the Neon Feast updates happen all week long on all of the highway radio stations all over your FM dial. The Vibe, The Drive, Highway Country, or go to highwayradio.com. What is Tinfish? Tinned, canned, and jarred fish, also called conservas, are cans of fish that have been heat-treated and preserved in such a way as to save the low-acidity food from spoilage and keep it ready to eat for sometimes years at a time. But even before tins and canning lines, drying and salt-preserving fish was a way to make the protein last far longer than its typical fishing or growing season. Canning and tinning are, take it with a grain of salt as it's coming from Wikipedia, credited to the 18th century Frenchman Nicolas Appert, who began experimenting with preserving fish in jars in the 1700s. Fast forward to 2023, and tinned fish is having what seems to be a revolution. Enter the Tinned Fish Club of Las Vegas. I'm Emily Baddock. Uh, I work here in Vegas. I'm relatively new to town. I've uh, been here for about three years. I started out uh, working on the Strip in wine. Uh, now I work for Alt Imports. We're a small wine distributor. We do beer, wine, spirits. Uh, we focus on natural wines. 
So organic, tasty, small artisanal bottles. All my favorite things. Yeah, exactly. Working with the Tin Fish Club here and uh, just generally trying to uh, be involved and support a local food community here in Vegas. Awesome. Thank you. And Erica? Yeah, I used to be the general manager at Ferguson's Downtown. Now I'm on the strip at this big, beautiful hotel called Bellagio. But uh, I've always had my my own company, imylg.com. So I do a lot of videography and photography. So I'm just focusing back on that and supporting my girls here. That's great. And Chris. Hi, so I'm Chris Wilson. I own 5098 Bread with my husband, Ryan. Um, We're a sourdough bread bakery here in Las Vegas and we bake out of our home. We're a cottage bakery and we do farmer's markets Thursdays through Sundays. And you can find us at some local favorite spots like Main Street Provisions and Garage East um, and some other coffee shops around town. And then I also own Tin Ficionado, which is an online retailer for Tin Fish, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, well, that's why um, we're here. Exactly. And I'm part of the Tin Fish Club here with these ladies, and I'm starting the Picnic Empire. That's my mission here. <laughs> I saw that on something you sent me the other day, yeah. and I saw Picnic Empire and just freaking loved it. Yeah. I mean, we got the bread, we got the fish, we got Emily with the wine. You know, it's like we're covering, Done. All, we're covering all the bases. I so. think so. I make homemade butter. Can I get in on this? You're in. You're officially in. And hot sauce. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So you guys have such diverse but complementary backgrounds that cross over in the Vegas locals food scene. Is that crossover how you met and whoever wants to start? I say absolutely yes. Um, I was GMing at, I was at F the bar and Emily has been my wine dealer for years. (laughs) And Chris, we met at Vegas Test Kitchen because she was slinging her bread and her cookies. And gosh, she re- reeled me in real fast with those. Reeled you in? Reeled As me we in. talk about tinned fish? Listen, I'm not that funny. I get like three <laughs> funny moments a year. That's number two, I think. So I got one more left. I just wish we had a band. <laughs> um, Chris and I were just hanging out one day. I think maybe she was at the bar. I'm not too sure. But... We were just kind of hanging out, talking about things, wine, drinking, whatever. And she goes, starts sharing her joy and love for tin fish. And I was like, cool. She goes, you know what you should do? I think it went something like this, right? She goes, I got this contact at Apiori, Samantha Star. I'm going to hook you up. You should reach out to her and like check out the tin fish. You could easily sell it here. You got the natural wine. You guys need a little food component at the bar. It'll go compare with everything. Like, see what, see what happens. Take off with it. And I go, okay. So she puts me in touch. I email Samantha. <clears throat> Samantha sends me the uh, the catalog. I get with Chris. I go, I get with Chris and M. I go, hey, what do you think? Right? And I think we like preview a couple things, send it off to Samantha. She looks at my current wine list and she's like, I think this these would pair well. I go, awesome. She sends me a goodie bag. Shout out for that. That was awesome. So as soon as I get it, I'm freaking out. I text these two and I'm like, yo, I got all the tin fish. We should taste them together. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, I think Chris, we were on a group text and they're like, all right, let's go to Silver Stamp. Silver Stamp, awesome little beer. Yeah. Wine bar, I guess. On Imperial. On Imperial in the Arts District. So we show up there. Um, Chris shows up with with her little picnic basket of... (laughs) like golden utensils just made for fish, you know, tin fish and her bread and delicious butter and her plates. <laughs> incredible. Her yeah. 
And we just sit there and we just set it up, right? And then we just start cracking tins. We were drinking wine, I think. We ended up getting a... Wine, there was beer, there was cider. There was a lot. And then uh, we were kind of like sitting closest to the bar and we gave no fucks and we just dove straight into this stuff and and we just enjoyed it and took photos and whatever and that really started the idea of let's do this more often and we should invite people you know yeah and uh yeah that's kind of the basics of it i mean thank you for f the bar for giving us the possibilities of ordering from a wholesaler and just having a good time and like expanding and we expanded pretty quickly and here we are sitting with you like this is this is crazy yeah and it really also like it was such a fun night but people were walking by going like what the fuck are you guys doing like what is this like what are you eating you know and we were like oh my god what are you talking about and like you know walking them through a little bit or people walking by it was just really fun and that's where it was like we just started joking about like tin fish club lv like as a joke that we were the tin fish club and then we were like wait can we actually start a tin fish club can this be a thing yeah <laughs> yeah we got like the check mark rose and andrew were there they were super stoked yukon <laughs> folks were there everybody came by and they were just so excited to see it to taste it all of that it just made sense to try and pull everybody in just to, boom to do this yeah more often share it just have delicious things so so you find these similar tastes amongst each other you find a wholesaler who's willing to just send you like goodie bags and like you said shout out to samantha at apiori um that is fantastic how did each of you get into tinned fish i mean so I grew up eating it, but I, it was a grocery store brand, you know, God knows if what the label said was actually in it. My mom used to love those caper, kipper snacks rather not. I mean, I love capers too, but kipper snacks. Uh, my dad got me into smoked um, oysters and things like that. I love oysters in my Thanksgiving stuffing. Um, and fish in a tin just became such a normal snack growing up. Is that how it was for you guys? Were you older? Were you younger? I, Erica's making a face, so maybe we should. <laughs> well, you know, I'm Filipino-American, super American-raised, and one of our meals that was affordable with the single mom was like sardines and tomato sauce over rice. Just crush that as a kid. So Perfect. tinned fish never, never was like, I mean, sure, it's kind of weird when you think about it. I think general public is like, oh, I'm good, right? But it's fucking delicious. And so that was my first experience. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We didn't really have that. I grew up in, and then I moved to San Francisco and gave no fucks about culinary. Right. And I, that's so unfortunate now. <laughs> when I moved to <laughs> Vegas, I like started working in events, culinary-based events. And uh, now I'm I'm a fiend for anything. I'm, that's my my biggest goal is just supporting the culinary scene out here anywhere to be honest but that's kind of my my experience with it emily yeah i don't know i I can't say that i grew up with it so much but uh being uh around natural wine uh tin fish natural wine this sort of apero hour culture that has a pretty strong foothold i think uh here and everywhere in kind of natural wine scenes so i think that's how i came uh, to it, eating a lot of tin fish in the Bay Area. Shout out Ordinaire, right? Little program that's absolutely perfect. Yes. Um, so I was very primed to be excited about all of this. Had tasted things. Can't say I knew the brands or anything uh, really well, but um, when I got here and Chris was so passionate about it, it was an easy thing to just slide right into. And for me, so I'm Ukrainian, so I grew up eating just like 
unbelievable amounts of pickled herring, um, which aren't tinned but jarred, and then same with smoked oysters. So it's all it all it all is about the same but yeah so my dad and i are just like the snackers of the family so it'd be like oh dinner's done okay well, like are we gonna have like cheese and kibasa and like pickle like what's next you know and so i grew up eating all that um when i was living in oakland so i just moved here a couple years ago i was in oakland for a long time before that there's a bar there roses tap room this female-run brewery and so you go and you get like a little tiny casuela of like bocarones which are marinated white anchovies um bread local bread and butter with your beer and it was just like beautiful first of all the presentation's gorgeous in all tin fish it's, they're, they're in stunning packaging um they're like you know perfect little morsels caught and packaged in like a day so um they're just beautiful and so you know i was just like this is incredible like why don't more people eat this way uh, and then when I moved here, I realized that nobody really, and I'm sure there are places here that are serving this that I just haven't been to, but I wasn't coming across it that much and just felt like there's an opportunity for that for sure. Um, so I read an article that was talking about a, an Alaskan based cannery called Wildfish Cannery, which is doing phenomenal work. Um, and it was just like an article about like, I think it was based on American canneries and I couldn't believe it. So I placed an order through them. They also happen to carry the a priori line. That's the, someone who they distribute through. So they sell other t other canneries on their website. So I got just this huge box of like fangs from 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 Denmark and them and you know hot sauces from Espanola and all these different things. And it came and I just like couldn't get over it. Like I we had started the bread business at that time here, and I'm sitting there going like this is all I want to eat like every day all day. And it's like endless options of like what do I feel like? Do I want something spicy? Do I want something vinegary? Do I want creamy? Whatever. So. I just went like way down the rabbit hole and started ordering from like every online retailer I could find um, at the time. So, and literally like bringing it with me in my purse to like bars and <laughs> sharing with people <laughs> to be like, have you guys ever heard of it with my little gold utensils yep. Um, yep. and my little bag of plates? But seriously, it was like, I couldn't believe people weren't eating this. Everybody wasn't eating it. So it's it's safe to say that tinned fish is sort of having a revolution right now. Like it's sort of everywhere. There's Facebook groups. I'll shout out to one that's been a lot of fun. It's called like the Sardine Citizens or something like that. Um, and Jeffrey Ehrman, I think, is the guy who runs it. So maybe he'll listen to this. I know he does his own podcast, but you know he's gotta he's gotta know we're talking about him. There's so many brands. There are so many types of fish. There are so many sauces and all of these different things so before we get into where why and where you choose to meet up every month with everything out there and there being so many options how do you choose do you sit down together and say oh i've never tried this particular one are you are, are you looking for what's going to appeal to the most common denominator are you really trying to shock people like how how would you say that you guys it's a little column A, column B. Okay. A little bit of everything. I think the idea is a well-rounded selection of things. We don't want to scare people too much with anything, you know, throwing the, the wildest tin at them to start. Uh, we want to sort of slide people in and make sure that they're comfortable and they're enjoying the things that they're tasting and then sort of ramp it up from there. I think it's like anything with food. I mean, if you start with a shocking thing, people get a little bit turned off and, you know, they just get spooked a little bit. So I think it's about creating this very, like, inclusive, fun thing for people to try and not feel like they need to know everything about everything or they need to necessarily like everything. It's just about trying and experimenting and just having fun with it. You talk about, or rather you do relocate every month. You've been somewhere different. Um, and I like that you brought up community and inclusivity because even if people are not necessarily into the Tin Fish Club for what it is, they might want to be visiting. They might want to come check you out just because of 
where you're hosting that month. So how do you make those choices and how do you keep them community oriented? How do you keep them inclusive? Um, you know, there has to be some criteria more than just, yeah, they can fit 12 to 30 of us and they'll let us bring in this stuff. Um, maybe they have a minimum, maybe they don't, you know, that part is, it's not really the question, but how do you decide, uh, who to reach out to and, and talk about this kind of thing? I think to speak for the group, we all have our, we all, we all are so ingrained in our community, like especially the culinary community that we have these special relationships with certain places. So that's easy, right? That's low hanging fruit. And then for example, picnic in the alley just happened. Nina Manchev at Forte Tapas and the Caviar Collective. Yeah. So Nina was, Nina's beautiful little scooter bus situation was- That was so adorable. <laughs> was right next to us. And I walk over to Nina, I'm like, just chatting her, complimenting her because she's a total babe and like talking about her scooter bus thing. And I was just like, you know what? We should do a tinfish meetup at your spot. So and I we won't can- lie. I wrote a list before we sat down and Forte's on it. <laughs> we have a, we have a. <laughs> it's caviar. <laughs> so there you go. That's as easy as it is. Yeah. Really. I mean, you think about people that kind of align businesses, restaurants, individuals bars mm-hmm. that will align are they flexible do they want to throw events have they thrown events before yeah if if you can check a lot of those off all the all it is is the approach right sure and then you just have to collaborate on the cost and what they're going to contribute sure. and that's when the magic happens and that's what is so fun about meetups it's it's an opportunity for all of us to get really creative what is emily going to want to pair well actually what does the bar restaurant represent how can we collaborate with what they already got going on? Or do they want to do something completely different just to mix it up? Right. For night? So figure out their vibe or find a way to let them kind of stretch their legs a little bit. And a lot of people are like, let's do this. And it's totally off their base. And it's like, all right, let's have a good time. <laughs> so if, and then once we figure that out, I think the wine component comes in, then we start talking about tins and then we figure out, you know, things that complement that experience. How are we going to run it? Is it going to be buffet style? Is it going to be, I don't know, you know, there's so many different ways to attack it. And we definitely have our, um, not our style. What's the word I'm looking for? We have like a a kind of a routine, but we're, we're over, we're always growing and like, let's just make a dope experience for everybody to like participate in. I don't have an actual storefront, just like with the bread company. We like to keep it, keep it tight and keep it small and um, and be flexible and so really the idea is you know the pop-ups that we do once a month with the club um, and then you can order online at tinfishandauto.com and then just pick up at any of our bread farmers markets Um, or I like to say there's a little other tab on the pickup options which is other I've talked to Chris and I will meet you basically anywhere preferably you know silver stamp gear geest anywhere you'd like yeah and and do a little fish deal a little fish deal so um, no so truly it really all started from there and and every week I'm getting new things that um, I'm just so excited to share so uh, Sam also, we spoke about Sam from A Priori, you know, she'll every week kind of send me like, you know what else I love? Like this one. And so I'm testing everything. Everything I sell is like absolutely my favorite tins, um, or they're not making it. Um, and we also sell a book called Tin to Table, which is really cool. Cause it is, if you want to level up and move up from bread and butter, it's like all these recipes in how to incorporate tins into like pasta dishes and all sorts of different spread. So for me right now, I'm really loving two. One is ABC plus, which is the same, um, the same people that 
make Jose Gourmet. They come out of Portugal. It's the smallest cannery in the world. Um, and they are really getting experimental with sauces. So is that the one with the whale? Yes. Yes. On the, the yep. it, it's got like this image cut out of a whale. Oh, well, yeah. I love those. And so their whole thing. So ABC is basically the letter of the fish. So trout yep. is T. It looks like the whale tail, basically. Yep. It's like a little whale. Um, so their concept is getting really high quality fish. Their trout, they actually are fishing that in northern um, northern Portugal. It's rainbow trout. It's gorgeous. They use round tins, flat round tins, so they can actually get a larger piece. So you see like the beautiful rainbow trout skin and it's just like a larger piece of the meat. Um, and then they are doing sauces that do not normally come across in tin fish. So like curry sauce. Mm. They have one that's called relish, which is caramelized onions and vinegar. Um, and that is just stunning. And there's a dill and caper one. There's a, there's a caper one. There's a dill one. There is one that's Alio e olio, which we tested at Gergis, and it really almost Garlic tastes oil, like a. For those who don't know, like a tortellini, like, like an Alfredo really? sauce. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so their whole thing is, you know, the 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 letter on the front of the box is the fish. So the little yep. whale is like a T. So it's always going to be trout, and then a different colored dot for if you love this sauce. If you love the curry sauce, which is yellow, then you know you can try the other fish with the yellow dot. They're all on the curry sauce. So they're doing this really kind of pushing the boundaries of of what's happening in tin fish. So I'm obsessed with them right now. Um, and then my my favorite tin right now is Briosa, and I know you just got a couple I of these. I just got four of those it's because tuna. Oh. I've heard too many good things, and I know I'm going to eat two of them before I start sharing anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're really cool because they're basically like an entire meal in a tin. So they're, it's the one that I'm selling online right now is tuna with black-eyed peas and onions. And it's so half the tin is gorgeous, you know, hook-and-line-caught tuna, um, which also being sustainable is something I'm focusing on. So making sure that the fisheries are either MSC certified or they're using, you know, sustainable fishing methods. Um, so it's one piece of tuna. And then the other half of the tin is black eyed peas that are marinating in oil and onions for as, you know, as long since they've been tinned. So they're like the, the beans are almost the best part because it's like, they're just like unctuous gorgeous. So you just dump it all out, mix it all together and you have like a complete meal done. So that one I'm obsessed with. Okay. Is there another, is there one you will not ever open again? No. Uh, no, I'm, I'm totally open to trying all the things. I went to Portugal a couple months ago with some girlfriends and we ate like every tin that's ever existed. I feel like, um, that's awesome. there we tried everything and I did. I, okay. So I will say, I'll take that back. There was something that's popular <laughs> there. It's just starting to come to the States and it's row, um, like sardine row, which if you picture how small sardines are and you can think of how tiny mm -hmm. there are like grains of sand almost. And they come in, um, they're compacted, almost like Batarga, but they're not quite that dried. And those, to me, weren't a favorite. They were everywhere there. We tried them twice. They're basically like little grains of sand in your mouth. Yeah. Not a fan. Some people love them. Not yeah. for me. Yeah. How about you, Erica? Well, I think kind of whatever I crack open is my current favorite. Whatever you open in that moment. <laughs> There's nothing True. wrong with that. Well, I'm a big fan of the garfish. I think when we had our first... I'm opening one today for the first time. Gosh, it's so good. It's so beautiful. They are super beautiful. And, the, and yesterday I opened one um, and there was like a little red pepper in there. It just changed my life. It was like there was only one and I, you had like, I had to get through a couple of fish to get find it. And I was like, holy shit. And I like looked at it. I was like... What do I do? You know what I mean? Is it going to be spicy? I have no idea. It's like a mystery pepper. But God, changed my life yesterday. Really turned there it around. There you go. Emily. Yeah, it's a very hard question that you're asking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard and it's not. Um, one of my favorites that I keep coming back to is the espinelar, the olives with anchovies. Oh, so I love those. They're just, they're perfect. And especially for somebody who's like, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to get into this. Uh, it's just, it's very tasty. It's easy. It's a little Spanish green olive stuffed with a little anchovy. 
Use that as your martini garnish. Use that just as like a little snacky alongside whatever else you have going. It's just, it's the perfect little bite. It's so salty. Uh, I think they're, they're amazing. Um, a non-favorite tin, I'm never going to answer that question, but I will That's say <laughs> I will say that there there is really a noticeable quality uh, between brands. So when I first started really getting into it, I would go, uh, I think I went to the international market and like bought every tin I could find, you know, absolutely everything. And you definitely notice like there are there are brands that do it really well, especially if they're focusing on sustainability, small packaging, like small artisanal production. You just you tend to notice between the tins when you crack them open and certain things are just gone in a second and you know taking the whole spectrum of all the tins that I've ever tried I feel like that there's um, I have a real affinity for those small brands very select very uh, sustainably produced um, they just tend to be the most beautiful tell me how people can get involved in the tin fish club how do they find you online what are your socials what are your what's the website how do they buy tickets um, so I'd say the home base is uh, Tinficionado. So that is Chris's website that hosts her shop, of course, but then hosts everything about Tin Fish Club LV. So you'll see all of the events that we've hosted in the past, anything that's coming up, that's where you can buy your tickets. Um, Instagram, of course, is Tinfish LV. Um, Tinfish Club LV. I'm sorry, yes. Tinfish Club LV. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. And when, oh, we, no. and when we say tin, because I know it's hard to tell sometimes, it's T I N N E D for all the things. Whenever we say tinfish, it's tinned yeah, tinned fish. And then, yeah, so my Instagram is um, just at tinned underscore aficionado, T I N N E D underscore F I S H I O N A D O. I'm like writing that. Yeah, tinnedfishinado.com. So that's where you'll find, um, you know, pictures and ways to eat things. I post about every single thing I sell. And then obviously um, the club website is where you'll see events and can connect with us there. All right. Well, you know, thank you all so much for being here. Do me a favor before we go. Tell everybody your socials. How do they find you? I know we've talked about some of them just in case, but let's go ahead and go down the list. Erica, let's start with you. Uh, my personal is Erica underscore S Bell, just my name with an underscore. And then uh, you follow my content page. Uh, I am YLG. I am YLG. YLG. I am YLG. Stands for I make you look good. Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Emily. Uh, my personal account is M Badock, E-M-B-A-D-D-O-C-K. Um, I also teach monthly wine classes uh, at Akin in the Arts District. I'm also teaching a wine class at Corey's uh, coming up June 17th. So a couple tickets for that. Yes, available. I've got tickets for that one already. Amazing. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I will post any sort of events, uh, our Tin Ficionado events there, of course. Um, and then for all things wine, um, Alt Imports, A-L-T underscore I-M-P-O-R-T-S. Awesome. And Chris? One more time. All right. So we've got the Tin Fish one. So at Tinned, T-I-N-N-E-D underscore Ficionado. Um, and then my bread one is at 5098 bread. So 5098 bread. And my personal is at wine is my water because it is. And Emily's my supplier. Yeah. All the imports for life. That's right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, let's go eat some tin fish and drink some wine. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. The news is on the way. This is food and loathing. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing or reach out directly. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. 
And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out anytime at wishboneandvine.com. One more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas. And my site, wishboneandvine.com. It's time for the news, so let's see what I have for you after all this traveling. Big news announced about um, Tom Kaplan going into the Arts District this week, the Wolfgang Puck executive, and he's got a place coming to Main Street. Seriously, that was all being announced and discussed while I was on a plane, and I haven't prepped for that one, so I'm going to give Tom a call, and we'll try to get more to you next week on that one. Unless, Gemini, did you hear anything about that that you could share? No, not really. I mean, I when they were talking about the parking garage and, and all of that that's going in sort of in that area, I heard that Wolfgang Puck was coming, but that literally was all I heard, so I have zero details to help. Well. I know that Jonathan Wright has a good article on, oh, I don't know if it's good because I didn't have time to read it. That's how much <laughs> I've been traveling. But Jonathan's a great writer. So Jonathan uh, Wright has something on it in the Las Vegas Review Journal. And look, man, when I don't have it, I'm happy to send you to other people who do. Absolutely. So go read what Jonathan has to say about that <laughs> shit. Blanker is going to open this weekend with a VIP party on Friday and opening to the public Saturday, just in time for VGK Panthers game four. Blanker, of course, comes from the people that brought us Carver Steak. It was their first concept up in Utah. It's a sports themed bar. Um, and so it sounds like a great place this time of year. Um, you know, maybe watch game. I'm, I'm hoping I don't, I don't want to be one of these people, no. but I don't want them to take it in four games because I have tickets to game five. So <laughs> I want them to take it in five oh, games. Man. So, and that would be great way, to be at the final game right? and the celebration and the amazing. thing and the trophy and yeah oh, i kind of want so that I, um, for you as much as i don't but, want to see them lose any games i want that for you right <laughs> but if um if you want a place to go see game four it looks like saturday you could do flanker so go check that out um we mentioned that sundry and the uncommons and the uncommons project opens to the public on monday and speaking of that area in the southwest valley one of the many culinary concepts coming to the durango casino and resort is a hawaiian street food concept called ipono from chef gene villatora uh, he worked in las vegas opening both roy's locations put in time at tau and station casinos eventually getting up to their corporate level before he head out to orange county to start ipono I, it's going to be located in the eat your heart out food court once the resort opens but you do not have to wait to try his cooking of course you go to orange county but who the hell wants to do that drive (laughs) instead go to red rock this weekend as you're hearing this for a pop-up in the gridiron grill within their race and sports book kicks off at noon both saturday and sunday i'm going to be out there to talk to the chef and to taste his food so um yes go do that and i think that's about it we already played my interviews with the people, right? Yeah, we got yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. We did everything. Yeah. Okay. This one may have run long, but um, yeah. when Gemini's got that much good shit, we love to to go along and hear from it. So <laughs> and all I can so contribute much. is I'm sitting in Portland, Oregon, which is the birthplace and home of James Beard. Yes. Oh, Look there you this. go. So this is definitely a James Beard themed episode. <laughs> yeah. And I think I'm going to go to Anima tonight and eat and, you know, we'll keep that James Do Beard. Do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thanks to all of our guests, Emily Baddock, Erica Bell, Chris Wilson, Jerry from Meraki, Chef Matt Horn. Um, I think I hit everybody. Join us next week when, you know, I haven't quite decided what we're going to do. But, Gemini, I know you've got a great <laughs> conversation with Diana Breyer that I'd like to get to, if nothing more timely and immediate pops I do. up. 
So you guys are all just going to have to tune in and be surprised by whether that one makes it into the centerpiece <laughs> next week's show. If not, it'll be the week after that. It's too good to waste. But, um, you know, if you can't tell, I'm a little frazzled this week. So um, my planning yeah, isn't at it's, it's been best. a big week. Jet lag <laughs> yes. for everybody. Thank you, everybody. With Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson, I am Al Mancini. Stay hungry, people. 